Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody, to the Pro Football Show for this Thursday, April 9th, as we are two weeks away. Yes, two weeks away from the NFL Draft. Uh, Two weeks from today, we'll be talking about the first round of the NFL Draft. There's um, a stable commitment by the league to move forward. Um, There's no turning back. Uh, There is some little bit of scuttlebutt about people concerned about how we're going to handle this virtual draft we're going to get into the latest on that and a little bit tired of talking about it you're probably still uh, tired you're probably tired of hearing about it but it's still relevant we need to update you on that we're going to talk about a few more draft prospects take a look at Grant Delpit of LSU and Jalen Johnson of Utah and A.J. Terrell of Clemson with some draft room style scouting reports and we'll do that here uh, up into the um, NFL draft and we're going to take a look uh, at recent drafts and draft previews for the AFC West. And Friday we'll wrap up the entire league with the NFC West as we've gone through both AFC, NFC East, AFC, NFC North, AFC, NFC South. We'll get to the West here today and tomorrow. Some free agent news around the league. A uh, few signings, not major ones. Some news coming out of teams facilities and their plans of players and ideas um and then obviously we're going to get to uh, the breakdowns as i said some draft news a couple of uh, news and nuggets but really get into the afc west today and what's taking place and obviously what's ahead for those teams but a reminder again this podcast is brought to you by our great friends at 401k generation eddie rojas and his team of finance professionals are always there to help you. They're experts in financial planning, whether it's IRAs, 401Ks, whatever your needs are. They can help you understand your needs, protect your investments, uh, help uh, figure out what's the best way for you to go. What's your financial plan? Get yourself a financial checkup. We certainly know there's a lot of uncertainty in today's market, today's world. That's why having someone you can turn to For a first opinion if you don't have somebody, or a second opinion if you do, just to get a feel of 
what's the best way to go, and are you doing the right thing? So we've got all that for you. Uh, they've got all that for you at 401k Generation, and they're licensed in all 50 states. So you can give them a call or a text at one 866 998-5879. That's 1-866-998-5879. And a reminder, if you've got a business or something you'd like to brand or promote, we can absolutely help you do that. Uh, drop us a line over at LandryFootball.com. Contact Chris, and we can help you with that. All the latest in, um all the we can get you uh, in with all the the latest podcasts we have and different ways that we can brand on the website. Um, we'll get in touch with you and make that happen if it's a fit for you. Uh, and uh, certainly, you can make sure that you're checking out this podcast as well as the college podcast each and every weekday by signing up for Landry Football's conference call. I always like to remind you, if you're an NFL fan, particularly this time of year. You need to be listening to the college podcast. Why? We do talk draft here on this show. But we've got a lot of other stuff. On the college show, we talk a lot of draft prospects. So if you're not listening to that podcast as well, you're missing a lot of good information uh, on players. Now, the best way to stay on top of everything in the world of college football, the NFL, recruiting, the draft, you name it, coaching, scouting, we got it all for you at LandryFootball.com. We've got our best discount scouting season offer, we call it, and it will get you, for less than $5 a month, access to an NFL draft room, a scouting department. You'll get film room analysis on the game of football, the college and pro level. For example, our draft boards. You can take a look at the board, see what a true NFL draft board looks like, not some amateurish fantasy-style top 50 list or top 20 list. That is not relevant, how the players are graded and how you've got them stacked and what categories do they fit in. That's what's important. So see what a true NFL draft board looks like. And while you're looking at it, you can click and listen to an NFL draft room-style scouting report on a player. So you will get access to an NFL draft room, something you've never had access to before, and you're not going to get from someone that's not been in there and is not still involved with working in the draft uh, for a number of NFL teams. So check it out today, LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of it. The year membership will get you not only this, but you're in the football season all the way through next year at this time. So take advantage of the great offer today. So the latest concern around the league, coaches and front office staffers. Okay, we're going to have to do the draft from our homes. or If you're going to have – and everybody's, as I've mentioned the past couple of days, everybody's got their own way. Some may go into a hotel. I'm not quite sure how folks are – everybody's got a little different way they're going to go about setting it up. It's got to be – basically by yourself in everything virtual with the other people that are involved, the key personnel are going to be not in the same room. And if that's the case, then what you're going to have is a lot of virtual involvement, and that requires a lot of IT setups within 
your home. And now you've got executives saying, look, I don't know if I want my IT guys in my home. If we've got a quarantine and we don't want people around, well, I mean, I'm going to have somebody, you know, you don't know who's been around who and who they've been around. And therefore, you're making your fear of spreading the um, the virus by having your IT guys in the building. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I've said it for a while, and, and I don't want to get into it. I, I don't want to step over the line. I thought we would allow guys in a draft room, you know, six, ten feet apart. Uh, I'm guessing they feel like that's not the right way to go and that everybody's going to do it virtually. And But, you know, you can't just go home and do this. You're going to have to have these setups. And the most important guy right now in the organization is the IT guy. They are front and center, and they're going to have to, you know, obviously get all this set up. And obviously there's concern about, you know, again, by some folks, whether it's real or whether it's just more of trying to convince the commissioner that maybe there's a better way we can go about it, just not sure. Uh, there's, it's uh, interesting. I know the commissioner has been frustrated by some of the public feedback by their people in the league, so I expect another memo to go out and say silence on the matter. going to be interesting. Now, there is going to be, and I've explained this. I've been asked this a bunch. When we have the draft, um, are they going to allow extra time? Or are they going to, no, extra picks, no. But there's an understanding that this is unusual, that there could be hookups, there could be, you know, the we all see setups where you, you see people talking, you see this on, when they're talking about the, the medical news now, some people on these Skypes or Zoom or whatever you call them, and then all of a sudden they freeze you're going to have some of that. But look, the league understands that, and they're going to work on a timing issue, meaning you know, they're not going to be, oh, you didn't get it in in time. There are going to be ways to communicate with the league and then backups and backups to the backup to say, look, we just made a trade with the team, and this is so on and so forth. Look, you're going to have the video hookups. You're going to have landline connections. And the league's going to provide all that information with the league office that they call in, the player personnel department, to, to, to make sure that all that is handled correctly and legally. And then you've got email, which you can send details on a trade with timestamp. So you've got all of that. So you can do a trade, and you want to you, – you can do this. As I explained to a couple of GMs today, and I'm repeating myself, for those of you who've heard it, I apologize. For those of you who didn't, I think it bears repeating – Look, I ran drafts in Houston in a day where there was no internet, there was no email, there was no cell phone, there was a direct line connection to the the um, the desk in New York. Now there's going to be a direct line connection to the league. If it falls, you know, if it fell a couple of times, it would fall off. You go to one of the outer offices and call in. Yeah, it's simple as that. You got to, you, you know, so, and again, this, you didn't even have the ability to be able to text or call on a cell back then. It can be done. It, this is, these are things, it's a little bit, it's where 
modern technology meets somewhat old school, and it kind of combines. You've got a ways to communicate. It's, they're not building a rocket. And as I tell folks, for goodness sakes, I mean, I did this, and it was not that big of an issue. But we, we're, what it is is a lot. We're spoiled. If, if, all of you, if we all had to take our cell phone and just be without it for a week, we'd probably be lost. If you're in sales or whatever, you'd, you'd be lost. Hell, we, a lot of people don't even have landlines anymore. They just have their cell phone. Um, you know, so we get used to certain things. Guys are just used to it a certain way, but everybody has to adjust. It's going to work. It's going to be frustrating. But the panic is, uh, quite frankly, I've spent more time trying to get guys to calm down and realize that it's it's going to be all good. It's going to be all good. I mean, look, it, there'll be mistakes. There'll be issues. There'll be frustration. The league's going to be there to help you through it. Just do your job. Now, I've as I've said, it's going to really separate the contenders from the pretenders on who does the best job in the fall of evaluating players? Because what this does, it exposes perhaps the maybe lack of ability of being able to, if you are overly reliant upon your coaches to cover up for you uh, in the spring, well, then you're going to have some issues. There's no question about that. So I think you got to look at uh, all things, trust your judgment, the biggest difficulty is trying to make a, a medical judgment with limited information. But anyway, let's move on. Let's get into some news of the day. The Chiefs have signed running back DeAndre Washington, formerly of the Raiders, to a one-year contract. Averaged 3.4 yards per carry since 2017. He'll compete for backup duties uh, behind Damian Williams. In Oakland, he was primarily used as a rotational third-down back. So he fits in well and catches the ball out of the backfield. Caught 30... Um, Six of 41 targets for 292 yards last year. And, you know, he's a low-volume guy that's a checks-down option, and he's a former Texas Tech teammate of Patrick Mahomes. So um, he'll have to beat out Darwin Thompson. Um, but I think a good move and, a good again, a good under-the-radar quality move, not going to be earth-shattering, but a quality move for the Chiefs. The Saints have re-signed offensive lineman Cameron Tom. Um he spent the entirety of his rookie year in the team's practice squad. Uh, called upon for 178 offensive snaps on 11 appearances uh, in game action in 2018. Uh, the Ravens released defensive end uh, Ufamba Kamalu. He was uh, expendable following the addition of Derek Wolf. He latched on to the Ravens following a midseason release from New England. Stayed on Baltimore's practice squad from October on. Made 15 appearances in his three-year career, totaling three Sacks, 12 tackles as a member of the Texans and Patriots defensive units. The Seahawks re-signed Jordan Simmons, former undrafted free agent out of USC, started three games for Seattle in 18 before suffering a season-ending injury after undergoing the second knee surgery of his young career. Uh, have a hold of field on the right side of their line following Jermaine Effetti's departure to Chicago, but Simmons' health remains questionable ahead of camp. He'll compete as an interior reserve uh fit for them. Um, the Bengals re-signed offensive guard Alex Regman, Redmond to a one-year $2.13 million contract as low-value tender as a restricted free agent um, out of UCLA. Started 15 games in 18, but was demoted to backup duties in 19. 
He'll compete for a roster spot this summer. Uh, over in the Bills, um, they are very comfortable that Devin Singletary can be a workload-type back. Uh, they expect to give him a bigger workload this year with Frank Gore off the roster, but we're going to have to wait and see um, how things play out. I do think a running backs in play at some point in this draft, uh, but I think that Singletary is a key guy. The big thing with running backs is you got to have the versatility, but you got to have depth. That's a volatile position, and your entire offense just goes in a completely different dimension if your running back goes down. It's not like losing your quarterback, but, man, you better have guys that can allow you to be able to run the football, be able to, to work the checkdowns in the passing game to your backs and do all the things, inside run, outside run. Uh, you've got to be able to have the components to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do depth-wise because I do think that's an issue. But that can be handle, uh, handled, I think, with a veteran guy or a draft guy, and I think it's going to depend on how things go come draft time where there's maybe a greater priority in terms of a tougher player to fill. You could find a back more easily in the draft and in free agency than you can other positions, therefore making it not less of a priority, but it makes finding the other spots that are tougher to fill a greater priority to get it done. Uh, I know the Cardinals – we like to have three running backs to deploy during the regular season. Uh, D.J. Foster was banged up last year, um, and and I agree with that, just what I'm talking about. Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds play at a high level, but you better have three guys, and you better have some options so that if one of those guys go down, that you can still have three guys after that. Uh, checking in on the Bengals, um, they feel like A.J. Green – is fully healthy, and they feel like, um, you know, he's doing a good job working out um, in Atlanta, and um, they're excited about him coming. They, they feel like that he can be a real factor, and obviously if they go quarterback as is expected at number one, it's going to help a young quarterback out. Also, they're keeping all their options on the table as it pertains to Andy Dalton. Uh, and again, all the options are there. I mean, they don't want to come out and say, yeah, look, man, look, we're trying to dump them. We're just trying to get somebody to take them off our hands. It's not how it works. Look, they'll probably take a quarterback one, as I just mentioned. I think that somebody on draft weekend or after draft weekend, perhaps before but likely after, might be interested in making a move. Now, that's all part of the negotiations. As you look at it, um, the uh, the 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 increase or decrease likelihood of somebody being interested in Andy Dalton will be directly tied to the ability to fill that position come draft weekend. So I'm I still think maybe somebody like New England or someone else might say, you know what, for the right price, like to have Andy Dalton in there. Come in, com- look at the teams that don't have a clear starter. Or maybe has a starter, but maybe you'd like to add somebody to the mix that, you know, is kind of a 1A type of guy. Look, if you don't have a clear number one, it's because that number one is not a a really upper-tier, high-grade quarterback. So, if you combine that type of quarterback with an Andy Dalton, you've got somebody that maybe could compete, win the job, 
or be a high-quality backup where there's not much, if any, difference between one and two. And so you've got maybe not a great one, but you've got two pretty good ones. That's still in play, and I do think if that the Bengals can get something of value, particularly a draft pick, they would make the move. Now, if it has to happen after the draft, then they're going to have to get a higher pick next year. So if you're willing to give a third-round pick this year, they're going to ask a second-round pick for the following year. That's how it works. So uh, I still think there's a possibility something could be done um, heading towards uh, the draft or draft weekend. Uh, The Falcons have um, a plan to get John Comiskey in an increased role this upcoming season. Uh, They traded up to get Comiskey. with the 135th overall pick in last year's draft, to go find a consistent role for the rookie. He had 100 empty defensive snaps behind Vic Beasley and Adrian Claiborne, handful of other rotational pass rushers. With those two names in particular out of the door in free agency, um, the Charleston product will have a chance to take on a bigger role um, across from uh, Dante Fowler. Still think that's a big need for the Falcons come draft weekend, I still think that's the priority uh, spot for them and where they may end up going in their first pick. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Got to be a player there uh, worthy of taking. But, uh, you know, if it's a Caleb on Chason or A.J. Epineza, makes some sense there. Uh, interesting to see how that might play out. The Chargers, um, still very high, they say, on Justin Jackson. Um they like that idea, again, of a one-two punch. Been a little bit of a theme today. Austin Eckler and Jackson sliding into Melvin Gordon's old role, albeit a reduced workload than Gordon. Jackson's problem in the NFL to this point has been an inability to stay healthy. He's missed 12 of 32 possible games since been taken in the seventh round of the 18 draft. Um, so uh, I don't, I don't know that we're going to see – them address running back maybe other than a you know key late signing uh, maybe late in the draft right guy or a veteran signing or street free agent as they head into camp now one thing that you need to watch out for for the Chargers I do think Desmond King could possibly be on the block I'm not sure I would do that but they went out and signed Chris Harris now Chris Harris has been Toadie's going to be plugged into the slot. Now, that's he played very well there last year, but Chris Harris can also play outside. Now, my thought was, my thing was that when they made the move initially, well, great, you got Chris Harris on the outside, but can also, you know, Desmond King in the slot, but Chris Harris can be a starter on the outside, a backup in the slot, and I thought that made some sense. But they've basically told that Chris Harris, you're going to be the start and the key guy in the slot. Well, I mean, that means, I mean, Desmond King is not an outside corner. So he's going to be a dime back. Now, they do play a lot of that. Um, I still think that has great value. And I'm not trading Desmond King unless you get a lot for him. But with Casey Hayward, Michael Davis on the outside, Derwin James and Rashawn Jenkins at safety, you know, King is headed into the final year of his rookie deal. So if you are looking at it from a standpoint of going forward, I, I again, I, I 
I would look at the possibility of them maybe getting something for him if somebody's interested. Again, draft weekend makes some sense. So let's keep an eye out on that as a possibility. Again, I don't like the move for this year, but if you're going to lose him at the end of the year, this is one of those let's get something for him now instead of getting nothing for him next year. Um, the Colts want to get Naheem Hines more action in the offense this year. He played in just 31% uh, of the offensive snaps last year. Um, Colts were playing very conservatively um, last year. With Phillip Rivers now under center, Frank Wright's going to be a little bit more aggressive, I would think. Um, could be a boost for Hines who's, as a pass catcher and uh, sort of an Austin Eckler type role. Um, and uh, certainly what F Phillip Rivers, you know, used Eckler on the checkdowns. Uh, keep an eye out on Nakeem Hines as possibly that type of guy, whether you're a fantasy fan or just a Colts fan or just a fan in general. It's a guy that could be a real sleeper for you that could be the play the Austin Eckler role for the Colts. <clears throat> uh, expect the Jets to release Avery Williamson once he's healthy, coming off the knee. He's entering the final year of his three-year deal. Missed all of last season with a torn ACL. Suffered in the preseason. He carries an $8.5 million cap number. The Jets can save $6.5 million by releasing him. Um, they just have to wait till he can pass the physical, and uh, that's obviously being all held up around the league. We know that. Jets are got some pretty good inside backers. They've got C.J. Mosley, Neville Hewitt, James Burgess, and Patrick um, Awansur. So I, I think this is this is inevitable. Um also, the Bengals, I forgot to mention some of the discussions in talking with their staff that they would like to see an increased role for Drew Sample, their second-year tight end. Was taken 52nd overall in last year's draft. Um, was really a good blocking tight end, uh, a classic in-line Y. Um, ended up playing just 180 offensive snaps in nine games before going on IR with the ankle injury. But with Tyler Alford gone, they have high hopes that uh, C.J. Azuma and Sample can – Azuma figures to get more of the passing game looks, which translates into maybe more of the big plays and the fantasy-type numbers. But Sample could play a bigger role as um, the Bengals led the league in, NF in 11 personnel, one back, one tight end usage last year. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but I do think that they feel like there's a bigger role for him. Um, some draft news. Um Brandon Ayuk, the outstanding uh, receiver from Arizona State in this year's draft, has had core muscle surgery on Tuesday. With the off-season program in doubt, uh, it was worth fixing the issue now before it becomes an in-season problem. He's a big play weapon. Everyone kind of understands that he's, he's likely a top 50 selection, and the way you handle something like that is you know of the issue, and it's going to be corrected, so there's no reason to think, oh, well, there's going to be a problem. So, They'll check in. The way it'll work, teams will check in on the surgery, make the phone call to medical people, and as long as they get the information that, look, the surgery went well, you know, then no, you're good to go. It's not good to go right now, but it'll be good to go um, when the rehab is complete. Let's take a look at a couple of things we want to kind of move towards. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of players. Um, some defensive backs that uh, maybe are getting some play, I guess, in some people's eyes, but maybe not um, as much. We're talking about Grant Delpit and Jalen Johnson and A.J. Terrell. 
Um, and we're going to talk a little AFC West. Grant Delpit, safety LSU. Guy played as a true freshman in 17 and had 60 tackles, three and a half for loss, an interception, nine pass breakups. And um, despite breaking his collarbone in 18, April of 18, he just had an unbelievable year, 74 tackles, five sacks, five interceptions, 14 pass breakups, unanimous All-American honor, and was a finalist for the Nagurski Award as the best defender in college football. And you could make the case. You could put him in the conversation and debate that he was amongst the best players in college football. This 19 season wasn't nearly as good. 65 tackles, four and a half for loss, two sacks, two interceptions, nine pass breakups. He still won the Thorpe Award as the nation's top defensive back. Quite frankly, he didn't deserve to win it. He wasn't the best defensive back. It was a hype award based upon previous years. Uh, With that said, um, still worth looking at and discussing as it regards to what happened this year. The injury issue was a big factor with them. It contributed to the lack of production, and I think somebody's going to benefit from it because I think this guy is an elite player that, if healthy, would have put together the numbers that would have put him at the very top of this safety board in this draft. I think most people would look at Xavier McKinney as a mid to late first rounder. I think you got to look at Grant Delpert as – somebody that's in that category when healthy but may slip a little bit in terms of where his draft is. That's okay. What a great opportunity to get, in my opinion, a great safety. He's got rare length, size, speed, fluidity, big enough, fast enough to play anywhere on the field. Height, long arms are a major asset in zone or man coverage, very aggressive, physically playing downhill, finds his way to the ball quickly, doesn't shy away from contact. Not the most disciplined assignment-wise, but he's a menace in zone coverage, closing speed, um, good blitzer, quick feet, length of matchup to a wide variety of body types, terrific man weapon, um, fit any scheme and have an instant impact. Um, He looked like a little bit more athletic, Jamal James, Derwin James type, Jamal Adams, Derwin James type guy after the outstanding sophomore season. Um, Tackling is the biggest concern. Uses his arms and he dives at ball carriers. He comes up empty way too much for a great player. Now, that's what he did on film. Why? I think he played through some injuries, and I think he was protecting himself a little bit. Um, He's not the finisher, and I think that has to do with the injuries. So I think he's got to improve his discipline and awareness. That was not affected by the injury. Those things I think he can do. But this guy's outstanding. This guy's got um, a chance to be a really good player, and I think that possibility of being a great player. I think he's not quite as big as Derwin James, but I think he can do a lot of things that could match up with some of these uh, tight ends in the league. Um, Still wouldn't rule out somebody taking him in the first round with a high second-round value grade, only 21 first-round grades. This guy's in play somewhere late first round. But medically, people are concerned, and they're wondering if the production was all due to medical. I think it is, but that is a little bit of a debate around the league, and somebody's going to get themselves a great player. Jalen Johnson, 
Utah. Interesting prospect. Consensus four-star recruit coming out of high school. Immediate contributor at Utah in 17 for starting 27 consecutive games and earning all first-team um, Pac-12 honors. Quick twitch cover guy. Good athleticism, good route recognition, ball skills. One of the best big play cornerbacks in this draft. Well-versed in a variety of defensive schemes. Agility, smooth accelerator, can press bail, physicality for bump and run, high football IQ, really good closing ability from zone responsibilities. Um, at his best, crowding receivers at the stem of the route, including jumping in front and snatching away well-thrown passes. Uh, really good instincts there. Ease of movement, low, tight back pedal, you know, oily hips that can turn and change directions very well. Uh, very good covering the slant pulse routes. Um, but he's a bit of a gambler. I mean, he, he's no doubt he's a gambler. Uh, he's a guy that uh, vulnerable to double moves by savvy route runners. He's a little bit grabby downfield. Um, he's not going to be able to get away with that. So there are two things that I think hurt him a little bit. I think while the gambling you can get away with it, good quarterbacks are, and good receivers are going to bait him on that. And then being a little bit too grabby, you're going to get called for a lot of uh, penalties. He's going to have to adjust to that. His ability to do that will determine how good a player he's going to be in next level. He's a little hot and cold and run support. Average commitment there. Um, he'll duck his head and swipe at tackles. I mean, he's got a little bit of jackrabbit in him. Janoris Jenkins with the Saints now. Uh, but he's an aggressive corner. Um, he's is as nimble and as versatile as any of the defensive backs that we've seen come out of there. And uh, really, again, somebody that uh, I think has a chance to be special if he can become a little bit more disciplined because the things that he has you can't teach. The things that he struggles with, you can teach and you can improve upon with discipline. A.J. Terrell is an interesting prospect coming out of Clemson, another corner, five-star recruit out of Georgia, earned early playing time for them, Did a, had a really nice 17 season, then uh, ascended to a starting role as a sophomore. Um he had the pick six against two in the national tiding game. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's more than just a cover corner. He's a really good tackler. He's long. He's got natural athleticism. He's best when faced up in press coverage. Isn't relied upon jamming receivers at the line of scrimmage. Smooth turning, explodes out of his stance, really good hips. Physical and run support. Like most long-legged corners, he can be a little sticky come out of his, coming out of his breaks. Little robotic in zone coverage, uh, isn't quick to close downhill or underneath, um, on underneath routes when he's locked onto one receiver. Flashes a quick one-handed jam, but has room to improve his technique there. Surrenders inside release a little bit too easily, trusting his makeup speed a little bit too much. He's going to have to learn how to adjust to that at the next level. He's much slimmer um, than you know it might look. I think he can put on some weight. He Weight. He reminds me a little of a bit of Xavier Rhodes coming out. Uh, he can add some weight without losing any speed. I think this guy's got starter ability. Um, he's every bit as good as Xavier was coming out of Florida State, and I like this guy. I think he's underrated. There's some good corners, 
good cover guys with some length and athleticism in this draft. And uh, I think we just went over two of them and a third one at safety that's has a chance to be special in his own right. All right, how about the AFC West? Let's take a look at what's going down in that division. Um, past couple of years, past five years, and what went on this past year, kind of where they are, what are their needs, kind of where things shape up for them. Um, take a look at last year. Prior to Drew Locke being named starter, the Broncos starting quarterback uh, was been a real revolving door and very ineffective. But they think they've got their guy in Locke, but we don't know. Um, the December performance with Locke might have changed the outlook of the franchise, I think. Um, they won four games, ended a franchise record streak of 21 games without scoring more than 24 points and had a spark for the first time since 2016. Um, you know, the, Locke is their best play going forward. They're not in a – we're not in a position to really upgrade in free agency. That hasn't worked. Don't know that they're going down the quarterback shopping business in this draft, but who knows? We'll see. Um, in the first season under Vic Fangio, the Broncos had a bend-but-don't-break defense that mostly stifled teams in the red zone. Injuries forced the Broncos to start 23 different players on defense last year. By week 17, just five of their intended defensive starters from week one remained in the lineup. The roster still needs depth and upgrades. The Broncos should have salary cap space to fill out some of the second wave of free agency, and I think they've helped themselves. I think Vic did a great job of coaching. Now it's up to John Elway to do a job, and Elway outside of – convincing Peyton Manning to come, which garnered him success. Outside of that, he hadn't done a whole lot. You look at this past year's draft, I, I do think um, <clears throat> I think the top four picks have promise. Noah Fant battled some drops and in inconsistency, but I think he's got big play potential at tight end. Dalton Risner is a date was a day one starter at left guard, inconsistent in pass protection, but really good run blocker, very good puller, uh, and I like his ability. Drew Locke, we talked about their second second round pick. Um, we'll see. That'll probably determine an awful lot about where they go with the, you know, with their future there. And Draymond Jones, Ohio State was a pass down specialist, three and a half sacks, six quarterback hits on just 284 snaps. Um, I thought Justin Hollins, the outside backer from Oregon, earned some good rotational work both inside and outside, but produced little as a pass rusher. Um, and then, you know, obviously Winfrey was you know, a little buzz in camp, but didn't didn't do anything um, and was a healthy scratch most of the season. So got some potential there. We'll see how it develops. Um, you know, they really haven't – the drafts hasn't been all that good. Uh 18, you know, uh, only blocking tight end Jeff Howard remained from the 2015 class. 16, produced several contributors, but bust in Paxton Lynch. 17, uh, Garrett Bowles, um, Demarcus Walker. Um, but then, you know, I thought they turned it around a little bit with Bradley Chubb and Cortland Sutton, who's got some ability. And in this past year, we just went over. I think there's a chance uh, – of them getting a little better. Look, they need speed at the number two receiver. 
Last year, Cortland Sutton emerged as the legitimate number one receiver who can step in to avoid left by Emmanuel Sanders. Um, he's the only player to step up in the receiving core, uh, though I think Tim Patrick led the rest of the Broncos receivers with only you know 1.1 yards per route. Um, Sean Hamilton was next. They need to get some weapons, protection and weapons for Drew Locke, or Drew Locke's not going to be successful. So that's going to be a focus and speed at number two, and a guy that can come in and help early um, makes an awful lot of sense for them. Who's going to be there? Would Ruggs still be there? Uh, would they take a chance with the injury history with LaVisca Chenault? We know they're good receivers in this draft. Who's going to be available? <clears throat> you would assume that Judy and Lamb are gone, but Justin Jefferson makes some sense. Henry Ruggs makes some sense. Maybe a jump on a T. Higgins. Be interested to see. But I think receivers are definitely in play there. The Broncos' offensive line wasn't as bad as most people claimed. But um, still got some room for improvement. Uh, getting Graham Glasgow was a good move for them. Glasgow could slide in at either right guard or center, meaning that the other position could still be addressed this offseason. They swapped Chris Harris for A.J. Boye. Still got some questions about the second outside cornerback spot. Um, they shouldn't feel comfortable with Isaac Udom and Devontae Harris or Devontae Busby starting there. So they've got some work to do there at corner at receiver, no doubt. So uh, you look at the offseason, they fired Rick uh, Scangarato at the uh, offense coordinator, hired Pat Shermer. They think that's going to help Drew Locke, and perhaps it will. Um Release Ron Oyeri, as we said. A.J. Boyd comes in. They release Billy Wynn. They franchise tag Justin Simmons, which is important. We talked about the Glasgow signing. Um, uh, you know, Darrell Casey from the Titans um, was, I, I think, a good ad for them. But they still, and then signing Melvin Gordon, paid a lot for him. Can he be a difference maker in the run game? You know, I don't know. There's, there's, some risk there with what they're paying him, but you know there's talent there. Uh, if he can play and play well, they have two running backs, certainly help out the quarterback. Uh, Nick Vanette's been signed, uh, so good tight end to add to Noah Fant and hopefully get some help there with, with two good um, tight ends. So we'll see how this plays out. Look, I mean, I think pass rush is in play. I think corner's in play. I think receiver's in play. Certainly early in this draft, and we're going to see how things play out from there. The Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. What a what a run they were on, what a run they had, <clears throat> what a past couple of years they've had. But to finish it and get it done was very, very impressive. They were expected to contend for a Super Bowl, but it didn't quite work out. The 12-4 and four season didn't unfold quite like we thought. Mid-season slump, saw the club drop four of six games, including three straight at Arrowhead. That's unusual. But they rebuilt the defense under Steve Spagnuolo, which I was a little bit critical of that move. It worked out well. And I think when Mahomes went out, it challenged that defense to step up and begin to do things to basically kind of win the locker room and win the team over and show that we can win and get off the field. And it's not just about scoring every time we get the ball. Uh, I thought that Andy's offense lacked the explosiveness that made Mahomes the MVP, but they still finished fifth in scoring. 
six in total yards. But, um, you know, I, I thought because their offense um, wasn't quite as explosive, in a, and I completely subscribe to this theory all the time, that if you can grind it out a little bit more and you don't have to constantly win shootouts, your defense has a chance to be successful. They defensively roared to the finish line. I mean, Tyron Matthew played great. Frank Clark played great. Uh, and after being acquired from the Seahawks, they finished seventh in scoring defense and a bit more pedestrian 17th in yardage. But both mark significant improvements from a year before when they ranked 24th in scoring and next to last in yards allowed. Brent Veach doesn't have a lot of holes to fill this offseason. He and Andy Reid will go to work and – um, they expect to finalize a, a contract, a mega contract for Mahomes, but and then they certainly um, got Chris Jones at least tagged for this point. You look at what they did. McCole Hardeman played a lot of snaps and was effective. Uh, Juan Thornhill, their second round, other second round pick, was a day one starter at safety. Kalen Saunders, the defensive tackle from Western Illinois, was a rotational piece for them. Ups and downs for a young player, but got a lot of ability. I thought Rashad Fenton worked pretty well in the nickel through the midway part of the season and held up well. Um, Darwin Thompson was used sparingly. Um, uh, you know, so most of the class contributed. So really good, you know, for Hardman and Thornhill and some other guys, really impressive for a team that's as talented as they are. Um The whole 15 class has moved on, but each of the top four picks were major contributors before leaving via trade or free agency. The 16 class had guys like Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill, uh, obviously Patrick Mahomes in 17. Kareem Hunt was a great find for them. Um, Breland Speaks, disappointing a little bit, but, you know, I mean, you've had a lot of guys that have had a lot of success. So, You've got to have a little bit more options at corner at this point. Um, Javarius Ward and Rashad Fenton both have shown they can provide solid play at cornerback. Neither one's really proven. A need to get a corner and address that prettier. Outside of those two, Rashad Breland seems unlikely uh, to return in 20 after picking up a poor coverage grade last year. I thought he played poorly. Kendall Fuller um, is back to the Redskins on a four-year deal. So I think they could serve to sign or draft two cornerbacks in this draft. Um, they put the franchise tag on Chris Jones. Um, they've get, you know, can they get him signed long-term? Um, you know, or will they trade him? I mean, they, they've – They've got to get him locked up long-term or they've got to get trade value and they've got to replace him with a requisite talent in the interior as they did with D. Ford last offseason. They certainly need help. They need to look to add to the defensive line. Okafor and uh, Kapashan were both good pass rushers. Damon Wilson and Anthony Hitchens and Ben Newman were all candidates at linebacker that played pretty well. But they need some help at pass rusher. They need some help at corner. Um... I think the right running back they may look at, although uh, Washington recently added by um, the uh, off the the um, uh, the uh, the Raiders helps them a little bit. So 
team's really good, very, very talented, a lot of offensive weapons. They'll be fine there. But uh, certainly getting some help at corner is going to be pivotal. May need to look at a trade possibility. Not a lot of options still left in free agency, but they're going to have to draft some young guys and hit on some young guys uh, uh, out there um, as well. Pass rush in secondary is where they need help. The Las Vegas Raiders, kind of funny to talk about, isn't it? The Las Vegas Raiders, as we talk about them, the last year Oakland Raiders. Um, you look at the team, I thought they improved by because they improved by three wins in the second season. Um, you know, I thought they did a good job. There's a lot of work remaining to fix a roster that's they need a dynamic number one receiver since they traded Amari Cooper away, and they need multiple difference makers on defense. Um, listen, I know a lot of people are enamored with Mike Mayock. John Gruden runs the draft, um, and he makes the decision. So good or bad, it's going to fall with him. Um, I, I don't know about their level of commitment to Derek Carr. We'll see, but their offensive needs have, have you know, they need a true number one receiver to com- complement a, a an improved offensive line, a dynamic young tatter, a, a tight end in Darren Waller, and slot receiver Hunter Winfrow, who uh, emerges a valuable playmaker, and then uh, Josh Jacobs, who's a really good player. So the offensive talent fusion was good. Um, Trent Brown and Richard Incognito helped uh, on. You know, on the defensive side, Max Crosby and Cleveland Farrell and cornerback Trayvon Mullen emerged as productive players. I think they've got high hopes for Jonathan Abram, uh, whose rookie season was wiped up with a shoulder injury. But they need more playmakers at all three linebacker spots, the interior of the defensive line and secondary. There's no doubt about that. Um, So secondary help, I think receiver, I think depth on the offensive line. Uh, the secondary has been a problem for a few years now. Um, no team in the NFL allowed more, you know, points per pass play than the Raiders, and they're one of the more susceptible teams to the big plays. They allowed 2,196 passing yards on gains of 20-plus yards. That was more than any other team in the league. They brought in Eli Apple, Jeff Heath, who are a little bit more Band-Aids for them at this point. We know the Antonio Brown was an embarrassment. Um, Tyrell Williams was thrust in their number one receiver role. Hunter Renfer had a good season, as we mentioned. Nelson Aguiar is is um, um, it, it, we'll see what he can do. I, I, I I'm curious to see how Colton Miller potentially could develop. And I don't know that you know. Obviously, you got to get younger at guard and can't expect incognito to continue. So I think a lot of areas, they need improvements. But it really starts on offense at receiver, on defense in the secondary, and I think getting younger on the offensive line. Um, uh, This past year, again, Farrell was quiet as a pass rusher, but good versus the run. He was solid, but, you know, not a guy that you, I don't think was a great pick for him, was a solid pick. You know, pretty high floor, but not a high ceiling pick. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a good pick. I think Abrams would be pretty good. I think Mullen could maybe develop into a decent uh, corner, and I like what Crosby did. So Foster Moreau helped themselves at tight end, and Hunter Renfro was good. So I thought they did a good job 
uh, but got a ways to go here, and we'll see what they can do. <clears throat> the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, going into the league, uh, into a new stadium, rather, uh, and uh, with the Rams. Um, when you take a look at their season, it started out well. Uh, started out all wrong, rather, and uh, with Melvin Gordon's four-game contract holdout, and then they had five defeats in seven games. It's really tough. Uh, there were three consecutive defeats, and then Phillip Rivers had likely played his last game as he moved on. It was a 5-11 and season. Um, you know, uh, Anthony Lynn's obviously coming back, but he's going to have to rebuild the offense. It's going to be without Gordon and Rivers and, you know, uh, the Hunter Henry um, issue there and keeping him healthy has been a problem. So, look, I mean, an offense that scored 20 points or less in six of the first eight games, Rivers was able to, uh, was unable to make up the difference, even though he threw for at least 300 yards in five of his first seven games. Mike Williams played through knee soreness, but did manage career highs in receptions and yards. Uh, Rivers ended up fourth in the NFL with passing yards and yards per game. Inconsistent offense really torpedoed a defense that uh, torpedoed a defense that was pretty good. Sixth best in the league in yards allowed per game, and fifth best in passing yards allowed. I thought uh, Jerry Tillery, Notre Dame, was a rotational player that struggled with anchor and technique. Adderley uh, underwhelmed the safety from Delaware, barely saw the field, but expected that he might. Um, He's going to need to grow up in a hurry. And, and, you know, then they drafted, obviously, in the third round, the Trey Pippins kid from Sioux Falls. Lack polish. You get those smaller college guys, they're going to take a little bit longer. Uh, Tranquil was a nice find on the fourth round from Notre Dame. He rotated in and flashed on defense. And the core special teams player. Um, how good of a player can Easton Stick be? Maybe they like him a little bit more than those of us think. Uh, you know, I don't know. Be interesting to see. Looks like they're going quarterback early. We'll, we'll see how this plays out. They need a left tackle to continue the offensive line overhaul. They need helps uh, at the quarterback, then the third wide receiver. The offensive line's been the biggest deficiency in their team for some time now. They haven't had a team pass blocking grade higher than 26 in the league since the 14 season. I mean, you know, you talk about problems. They've graded out poorly there. It's contributed to the lack of consistency in running the football. It's hurt the quarterback who was immobile, and it, it just put him behind the eight ball way too often. And you get behind in games, got a pretty good talent on defense, but they were chasing from behind. It was been a problem for some time. They've had dismal play from tackle Sam TV and Trent Scott. It allowed 88 total pressures, second most among tackles. And again, when we're talking about grading offensive line, you've got a great – a lot of times, like, for example, in Tampa, their offensive line was criticized heavily last year. The quarterback held the ball too long. If you look at Phillip Rivers, the ball comes out pretty quick. The offensive line just doesn't protect. So understand when the ball is supposed to come out, where it's supposed to come out to, and how quickly it's important to understand – where the problems or resolve more in the quarterback or the protection. Um, they've added Trey Turner and Brian Balaga. That looks like a solid right side. 
They're still without a strong option at left tackle. And with, you know, intricate concerns with Mike Pouncey, the center and left guard spot are in flux. So you've got an issue. Um, so you've got, obviously, Tyrod Taylor, our young quarterback, coming in. We'll see. Our Easton stick. Um, I think you can argue that an off-the-ball linebacker and an interior defensive lineman would be high on their list as well. But the depth and versatility they have in their secondary helps their linebacker, offset their linebacker needs. It's one of the best secondaries in the league. There's no question about it. The addition of Lenville Joseph up front adds some size. One area that they do need to add is um, is receiver. Um, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry formed a good trio, but the depth behind Allen and Williams is lacking. An injection of speed in that group would really help. So keeping Hunter Henry healthy, um, Getting another weapon at receiver would really help this offense and obviously getting some help on the left side of that offensive line and an interior offensive line that could help maybe at center. Um, Again, they put the tag on Henry. Uh, They released Thomas Davis and Brandon Mebane. Um, They signed Brian Balaga. They signed Isaac Rochelle, who can be a rotational guy. And uh, Trent Scott is not the answer, but they re-signed him. They signed Chris Harris. My secondary is really good. Lenville Joseph was added. So um, it's a team that um, I think is still getting better. Uh, but you wonder about the quarterback situation. You wonder about the offensive line. Um, those are areas that would probably limit this team and maybe uh, make them um, uh, certainly definitely um, challenging. But you wonder how good they can be. I've always felt like if you could protect and build an offensive line in the weapons around Phillip Rivers, that would have given them their best chance because the defense is pretty good. It just hasn't worked out well. So, uh, obviously, Phillip is gone. He's behind a good offensive line now in Indianapolis. We'll see how that's going to work, and we'll see what the Chargers do and what they build towards their future, and can they hold this defense together long enough to potentially make the move with whom they have. So going to be interesting to see what the Georgias do in this draft and beyond. Uh, some talent on the defensive side, but still trying to fix that offensive line. Hey, we appreciate you joining us. Remind us remind you again to check out the College Football Show each and every day where we break down um, a lot of draft prospects. So you want to make sure that you're checking that out. Check out the uh, – you sign up for it by signing up for Landry Football's conference call and check out our great friends at 401k Generation. Experts in financial planning, money management. Uh, they are the experts licensed in all 50 states. Give them a call. Give them a text at 1-866-998-5879. Great to be with you as always. Be safe. Check us out over on the College Show and check us out on the Pro Football Show tomorrow. I'm Chris Landry, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.